Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Why, hello there, and welcome back to episode 10. We are going to be talking about OCD today. And I like talking about childhood OCD because it's one of those things that is actually misunderstood quite often. And you're going to see a lot of episodes on OCD moving forward. This is just the beginning. Today, I want to focus on four things parents get wrong about childhood OCD. That happens more often than not in my practice. So we'll get into what those are and what the correct perceptions should be. But before I begin, I want to quickly talk about my private Facebook groups. If you haven't joined already, you are missing out on a little bit more detailed information and conversation. So you can go to my website at anxioustoddlers.com and scroll all the way to the bottom. And there are these pink buttons and there are two Facebook links. One is for parenting of just typical kids. And the other one is if you're parenting anxious kids, feel free to join one or both. Lots of parents do both. And we have some good discussions in Facebook about all the things we talk about on this podcast and more. So let's start with talking about OCD today. The first biggest misperception that a lot of parents have is in order to have OCD, you have to be clean. (laughs) A lot of times parents will come into my practice and I'll assess their child and I'll say, you know, he really is showing a lot of signs of OCD. And a lot of times one or both of the parents will say, are you kidding me? Have you seen his room? If you saw his room, you would never think he has OCD. And I don't hear that infrequently. I hear that often. And that is a complete misperception. So obviously you can have OCD and be a slob. OCD doesn't work that way. I feel like the media has betrayed OCD in such a stereotypical way that it's skewed our understanding of what OCD really is. And that's, that's sad because it's done an injustice to our kids because we think that it's just germ related and cleanliness related. We're missing all the other different types of OCD out there. And there are a slew of different OCD. One of the ones that I feel, well, there's two that are, well, there's actually, there's three that are missed a lot. And the first one is confessional OCD. So a lot of times parents will come into my practice and they'll say, I don't know what is wrong with him, but he has to confess everything to me. And so he's telling me, you know, mom, I'm sorry, but I think that I made a ding on the wall when I was, you know, walking upstairs or mom, I'm sorry, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I think that in my head, I said you were fat and parents don't know what to do with that because they're like, why are you telling me that? A long time ago, I had a girl that was in my therapy practice and she would tell the teacher, you know, I think that I, I think that I cheated on the test. And at first the teacher took it very seriously and the parents took it very seriously until they realized, wait a minute, how could she have cheated? And she thought that she saw the answers on the teacher's desk, but the teacher didn't even have the answers on her desk. It was confessional OCD. So in confessional OCD, kids feel the compulsion, the need to confess things that they haven't done or that they, they think that they're going to do or a negative thought that doesn't jive with actually how they think. And so they feel like they have to confess it. And parents miss that all the time because they think, well, her room is a mess. So she doesn't have OCD. 
OCD, simplistically speaking, is just um, a thought that is upsetting, normally an anxious thought of some sort, and a compulsion, a drive, or an itch to do it. And so it could be anything. And we're not going to go into big detail today about all the different types of OCD, because that could be an entire episode in and of itself. And actually, I do have an article of all the different types um, of the, the big general ones. And the article is called, Are You Missing the Signs of OCD? And I'll link it in the show notes. And that goes through all the major categories and the things that parents often miss. But we'll cover some of that today. Another type of OCD that is often missed are intrusive thoughts that are coming into kids' heads. Like, let me give you an example. You know, I, I, I'm having a thought that I want to kill myself. That one's really upsetting because everybody's like, oh my goodness, let's just get her to the psych hospital. She wants to die. And it's different than suicidal ideation. You have your depressed kids, you have your mood disorder kids, and they have legitimate suicidal ideation where they, they have thoughts that they want to hurt themselves. But unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, because sometimes this gets misdiagnosed. There are kids that are not suicidal and aren't thinking about they're hurting themselves, but they're having an intrusive thought that says they want to hurt themselves. And these thoughts scare them and make them concerned. And that's different than your suicidal kids who, you know, they're not necessarily disturbed by having that thought. They just, um, are, are needing help and are upset that they do feel that way. So there, there's a big difference, but it is subtle. And if your child's having any of these issues, and I should say this for every single episode, but especially for this one and the ones that are about mental health, this is for your information only. So if you're like, well, that's weird. My child does that. And I don't know if she's suicidal or does she have OCD? Go seek medical attention, go to a professional, go to a child therapist that specializes in mood and OCD issues so that they know what they're looking for. So there's intrusive thoughts. And a lot of times those are really taboo thoughts. So you can have a thought like, um, I think I'm gay. And now that's not a taboo thought in and of itself, but to that particular child, if they don't think they're gay or there's some sort of religious undertone that makes it not okay to be gay, they're going to have that thought. So any taboo thought in that child's mind can be an intrusive thought. I've had kids who have thought that they are pedophiles. You know, I feel like I want to touch kids. I feel like I'm having sexual thoughts about kids. So just to give you a flavor of what that taboo thought can be, and it can be anything if it's perceived as taboo to the child. I had one child who thought they were racist and they're completely not racist, but that was taboo. They, they would not want to be racist. That would be a bad thing. And so they felt like that. Those type of intrusive thoughts and that the need for reassurance from an outside person typically gets missed as OCD. So because parents are like, Hey, you know, she's not afraid of germs. You know, she doesn't wash her hands. She doesn't line things up and her room is a mess. She is not organized. And so she doesn't have OCD. So that is a misnomer. And I think that I'm drilling that point in and I could probably let it go now. So don't miss other subtle signs. And sometimes parents will notice one or two maybe ritualistic behaviors, but they, they're missing a lot of them because more often than not, when, when kids come to my practice, they're coming in for maybe one or two, you know, front burner, really obvious behaviors with OCD. And I will unravel a whole bunch more. Normally there's a whole bunch more that are, it's kind of undercover. 
So you got to pay attention to all those. The second thing that parents sometimes misunderstand about OCD is they think that sometimes kids do rituals for attention. And this is really, really sad to me because OCD is already a completely debilitating disorder and the child already feels crazy and isolated and alone. And to have a parent who doesn't get it, call it attention seeking is the worst thing. And I will hear that in my practice. I'll hear comments like, you know, he just wants our attention. So we punish him or like we, we ignore her because we know she's just trying to bother us. Now, hopefully that's not you or your partner, but I do hear that a lot that people think that they're doing it for attention and maybe they're not, they don't, they're not doing, they're not saying that to their child in a, in a cruel or mean spirited way, but they do think that. And when you have that thought in your head, you know, she's doing it again. You know, what does she need? Does she need our attention? Why does she keep doing that? Then you're missing the boat and you're not able to get your child help because you're thinking it's intentional and nobody wants to do rituals. Trust me, they're not fun. So up next, I'm going to talk about the third and fourth thing that a lot of times parents misunderstand about OCD. And hopefully you'll have a much clearer idea of how OCD affects kids and how you can help. So stay tuned. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. So the third thing that I see in my practice a lot is mislabeling to me, really obvious OCD behavior. And I say to me, it's obvious because, you know, I've been sitting watching kids for 17 years with anxiety and OCD. So when I see it, I can see it a mile away. I think I just have a weird eye for it. I just, I can pick up on those little subtle movements that kids do because I've seen it so much. And so I don't fault parents for not seeing these things because they can be really subtle. They can be as subtle as a little eye movement or a little movement of the fingers and you're not going to see it. And a lot of times OCD is mental. And so kids are doing a lot of mental games in their head. They're, you know, playing with numbers or they have to say, repeat things over and over in their head. And a lot of times they're misdiagnosed with ADD because it looks like they're spacing off when in reality they're doing ritualistic behaviors in their head. I've had kids who've had to like, as they're reading, they've had to every fifth word, they would have to divide it by two. And to me, like that just baffles me. Like I wouldn't even be able to do that if you told me I had to, but I've had, I've had really smart kids incorporate their intelligence with their OCD. And so they can't even read because they're busy counting. Okay. I'm at the fifth word. Okay. How many letters, you know, were in that sentence. And then let me divide that by two. And then I get that number. And then now I can move on. And so like that one child that I worked with, they thought he was delayed. He couldn't read. He couldn't comprehend anything he was reading. And it was all because he was doing those rituals in his head. So anyway, that's a tangent because I didn't want to really talk about that. I wanted to talk about the the things that people and parents think are just quirky behavior or tics, and they really are OCD rituals. This happens often. 
a lot of times kids with OCD will come into my practice and they will have a lot of behaviors that look definitely like ticks. And unfortunately, OCD, the the part of the brain that causes ticks and OCD and Tourette's, they're all related. It's all the same part of the brain. And so they're very interrelated, but they're different because a tick is something that I can't control. Now I might be able to suppress it for a little while, but eventually I can't control it and it's going to just happen with it, a compulsion or a ritualistic behavior that I'm doing. It can look exactly the same, but there's an intention behind it. And so I'm doing it because maybe I don't want anything bad to happen, or maybe I feel like I need to do it until it's just right. So there is a thought and an intention behind the behavior. And then there is intention in doing it. Once I had this mom come in and she said, you know, I need help for my, my child. I think he was seven at the time. And she said he has ticks and he, you know, he's always had some ticks, but they just constantly change. And he has ADHD and he was having some anxiety about separating from her. And so she brought him in. When I met him, the minute I sat down with him, I could tell he was doing some OCD rituals. They looked like ticks, but there was some subtle differences. So he was touching his heart and he was like kind of like tapping his heart, like his chest area in a, in a pattern. And then he would just move on and, and continue to play. And then he would touch his heart in a pattern and then he would continue on and he would play. And eventually I said, what are you doing? I noticed that you have to touch your heart once in a while. And then he said, oh yeah, I do that when I'm feeling like I'm missing my mom. And so I do that. I touch my heart and then I feel like she's okay. Now, if he had a tick, he would not have the explanation that he just gave me. He would say, oh, I didn't know that. Or I can't control that. Or he'd get embarrassed. You know, although kids with OCD who do this, they get embarrassed as well. But if there's intention behind it, and then he, he had all sorts of other things. He would blow out of the side of his mouth and they thought that that was a tick and I asked him what, what he was doing with that. And he said, when I think I touch something bad or I have a bad thought, I just blow the bad air out of my mouth. So then again, there he had an OCD thought and the behavior was associated with that. So just to give you a little example of what that would look like, I have other kids that have come into my practice and they have to do things with their eyes. And so I've had kids that have had to look into every corner of the room or something bad would happen. They, they all have different reasons why they have to do it, but the behaviors sometimes look the same. I had a boy that had to look up when he thought he said something good and he had to look down when he thought he said something bad, kind of like a heaven hell type of thing. So kids make some weird rules up, you know, like they either have to like blink a certain amount of times and all that on the surface looks very tick-like and parents miss it and they miss it often. So go to a child therapist if you're seeing some ticks get a specialist to look at that. Go to a neurologist and see what the neurologist says. So I would go to both because they come from different different areas, different expertise, and it would be good to get the opinion of both and see what they say. Another thing parents will say often is, you know, he's got a lot of quirky behavior. And normally when I hear the word quirky, I think, okay, they are either probably talking about somewhere on the spectrum, the autistic spectrum, or they're talking about OCD. 
Now, obviously there are people that come into my practice and they're not talking about either one. Their kids are just really quirky, but often when they say quirky, it's like code for one of those two issues. So a lot of times when it's an OCD behavior, it looks quirky. I'm trying to think, let me give you an example of what that might be like. So I had a girl that would come in and she would wave her hands in front of her face and she would only do it when she was anxious. And the parents said, you know, Natasha, she just does that when she's, when she's hot. Well, when I saw her, I think it was like 40 degrees out and it was nighttime. My office was pretty cold and she was doing that often. And I said, what makes you feel like you have to do that? And she says, Oh, I don't know. I just feel like I have to do it once in a while. That was not quirky behavior. And that was not her fanning herself. That was a ritualistic behavior because she had many others as well as that one that I saw in my office. And when we allow them to make excuses and we buy into their excuses and we just leave it alone, they don't get better. And then they develop more ritualistic behavior and it can get out of control really fast. That's the problem with OCD is it grows really quickly. And it is one of the most debilitating disorders I have ever worked with. And I think anyone's ever worked with, it's just a debilitating issue to deal with. And it can go from zero to 60 in no time. And so it's one of those things that you don't waste time on. If your child is showing any of these OCD signs, you get them into a therapist right away because cognitive behavioral therapy has been shown to be very effective. And if you don't get that help early on, it is so much harder to work with a teenager with OCD than it is with a five-year-old. When they're five, I can teach them. I can give them the skills and they have that built in throughout their life. But when they're 15, they've lived with all these OCD rituals for so long without telling anyone or trying to fight them that it's very hardwired and it's trickier, not impossible, but it's harder to help them. When my middle child, I have seen subtle signs of OCD in two out of the three of my kids. And my youngest is five. And so that's really early. Hopefully knock on wood. Where's some wood? Let me knock on it. She won't have any OCD symptoms, but it's rampant in my family. Anxiety and OCD is rampant in my family. And so I am on top of it because the earlier you can work on it, the better. And it can show up pretty, pretty young if you know what you're looking for. So my oldest, she started doing some, what I guess other parents might call quirky behavior. She was like taking something like from the air out of her mouth and like throwing it out the window when we would drive very odd behavior. And she would always leave. She couldn't finish all of her food. She'd always have to leave a little bit. And so when she was little, like at four, I started to talk to her about Mr. Bossy and how he will tell her what to do. And if it doesn't make sense, she shouldn't do it because Mr. Bossy doesn't know what he's talking about. So we personified it and we worked on it and she did not show any more signs of OCD. And then I joke with her, like if I see something now, and she's, she's a teenager, if I see her leaving a little bit of her food or something else, I'll say, Ooh, is that Mr. Bossy? You know, not in a, like a make fun of you kind of way, but just kind of in a, you know, a silly lighthearted, but serious way. And she'll be like, no, mom, I just actually didn't want to eat the rest of that. (laughs) I swear I'm probably the most annoying mom ever, but it's good to be on top of. Now, my middle son, he started to show some slight signs of OCD when he was probably about mm, four or five. He started to shake his head up and down when he was brushing his teeth. 
And so I talked to him because he already had a worry cloud. If you listen to any of my podcasts, I talk about his worry cloud a lot. So we had already named it because he had a lot of general anxiety, but I talked to, I started to shift gears and I talked to him about, you know, your worry cloud can sometimes get bossy. Now see with my oldest daughter, I felt like she had more OCD than anxiety from the very beginning. I mean, when you have OCD, you're already typically anxious. So they go hand in hand, but I thought her, her bigger issue was going to be OCD. And so we called it Mr. Bossy from the get go. But with my, with my son, it looked like he was just having general anxiety. So we called it worry cloud. Even my five-year-old has a worry cloud. And so I had to shift gears a little bit to fit that, um, OCD personification. So I just said, you know, your worry cloud can get super bossy and he can tell you to do things that don't make any sense. And if you do them and you listen to it, then your worry cloud is going to get bigger. And I don't want your worry cloud to get bigger because it's going to be bossier and tell you to do more ridiculous things. And that that's incorporated into just general anxiety as well. You know, when they're afraid to go do something, I say, Hey, you know, your worry cloud is winning and I don't want it to get bigger. So I'm not going to go walk with you and make you more comfortable because then I'm going to be partnering with your worry cloud and not with you. So you can take that. That's my anxiety approach. And you can shift that for OCD and you can say things like, you know, if you do that and it doesn't make any sense, then your worry cloud is going to get bigger. So I did that with him and his head shaking. He was doing some weird head shaking and he stopped doing that. But then it moved on. I saw him and I've talked about this before in other episodes where I saw him scooting down the stairs and I said, you know, that's your worry cloud. Your worry cloud is telling you that you're not safe and then you're scooting. And then he said, yeah, I'm worried I'm going to trip. One time I fell down the stairs. And so my worry cloud tells me to scoot instead of walk. Well, if I hadn't caught that and I hadn't addressed it and named it what it was and told him that that is his worry cloud and that every time he does scoot down the stairs that he was going to um, give into his worry cloud and he's going to make his worry cloud bigger, he would never have stopped that behavior. And so it was so funny yesterday. So that was like, I don't even know how long ago. That was probably like a year ago. So yesterday he, he stubbed his toe and he's a big drama queen. So he's like hopping around everywhere and there was no blood. He was totally fine. And he's coming down the stairs and he is sliding down the stairs and I'm in the kitchen somewhere. And he makes a point to be like, mom, mom. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, I'm scooting down the stairs, but I want you to know that it's not my worry cloud right now. It's me because I hurt my toe. <laughs> I thought that was kind of so funny because he's, he's like aware of it. He's aware of his behavior and he's analyzing his own behavior and he knew I would misinterpret it. So that's what you want to do for your kids. You want to partner with them and you don't want to chalk up their behavior to it's a tick or it's just quirky. You want to address it and explore it and say, I wonder what would happen if you didn't scoot down the stairs. And then your child might say, well, then I might fall. And now, you know, okay, they're doing that behavior for a reason. Or with, um, the boy that touched his heart, I wonder what would happen if you didn't touch your heart. Well, then something bad could happen to my mom. So it's, it's about asking your kids the right questions to figure out if that quirky behavior might have a little bit of meaning behind it. And kids are embarrassed. So often they will, they'll minimize. They'll be like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know, but pay attention and watch it. Because if you're seeing a pattern, there's probably some significance to it. The last thing 
is a lot of times parents, and even I would have to say professionals who maybe are not in the mental health field or don't specialize in anxiety and OCD will say, it's just a phase and children will outgrow it. I had somebody in my practice recently where the pediatrician had told them, you know, it's hormonal. And once they get a little bit older and they kind of pass through the hormonal stage of life, their OCD will go away. And I was like flabbergasted because that is so inaccurate. And so just because you're seeing a pediatrician or somebody else who's maybe not in the field, that doesn't mean that they're an expert in everything. And a lot of times I think parents want to believe that they want to believe that this is going to get better. This is just a phase that they're going to grow out of. And so either they don't even identify it as OCD. They'll say, yeah, she does. She's got some weird habits And she's just doing one of her weird habits again, or we're just going through one of her weird phases. So it's sugar-coated and minimized. Or they don't, they're in denial because OCD is so upsetting to watch when you have kids that are doing things that they can't control. It's really painful as a parent to see your child suffer like that. And so you want to believe, you know, this is just a phase and it's going to get better. And a lot of times parents are afraid to get treatment because they think that focusing on the OCD will make it worse. And I, I hear that time and time again in my practice, parents will come in and I always meet with parents alone the first session. And they'll say, you know, I'm really worried, Natasha, because I don't want you to really talk about OCD. You know, these are all the things that he's doing. And they'll like list a zillion ritualistic behaviors. And then they'll say, but don't talk about OCD and don't tell them about other people's OCD because I don't, I feel like therapy is going to make it worse. And that is so far from the truth. And I can't blame parents because I get it. Even with my own kids, um, sometimes I irrationally worry if I read this OCD book, are they going to get some new rituals? They're not because kids, when I tell kids in my practice, I'll use other stories because I think stories are such a great way to learn. I will use other stories of other kids with OCD and I'll tell them, a ritual that they don't do. So I'll say, you know, some people feel like they have to tap twice on one side and then they have to even it out and tap twice on the other side. And I might be talking to a kid who washes their hands like 50 zillion times a day. And they'll say, that's ridiculous. Who would want to tap all the time? That doesn't even make any sense. And, and I'll say, well, some people would think that your ritual is ridiculous. I go, but it's really not. It's just OCD is ridiculous. And then we'll kind of both laugh And we'll be like, yeah, OCD is so ridiculous. So if you have a wait and see approach, or if you have a um, attitude of they're just going to grow out of it, this is a phase, you know, I want to reframe your thinking because the earlier you can get your kids help, even if it's subtle OCD, the earlier, the better, because I have kids that come into my practice as young as like three and four, and we're already naming it. And I mean, I have, I have toddlers that have come in. And that's very early onset for OCD. I mean, that's like ridiculously early. And so they are going to have a very long, long drawn out battle with OCD if they don't get help. And even kids who have some subtle signs, normally when they come in, they have a lot more issues than the parent actually thinks. So be proactive, get some help. It really can only help. It can't hurt. And I have found that on a personal level as well with my own kids by by helping them in, in my house and realizing, gosh, if, 
if I wasn't helping them, what would they be like? Sometimes I say that to my husband. I'm like, you are so lucky that you have a child therapist for a wife because you're messed up kids. No, I'm just kidding. I'll say that part, but I'll say, you know, this would cost you a fortune. And sometimes I'll joke like, okay, that's going to cost you. You need to pay me blah, blah, blah. Because I feel like I go to work and then I come home and, and I do more work. And then I do the podcast and I do my website and I write a book and I feel like I'm doing more and more and more work, but this isn't about me. (laughs) I'm complaining. I'm sorry. No, I love it. And I love helping, but I do realize from my own personal parenting struggles with my own kids that I don't even know where they would be if we didn't start working on these things from the get-go. The moment I saw little, little tiny signs, we named it and we started to crush it. And they're, they're doing phenomenal because of it. So get your kids some extra help. I guess I went on a tangent again. I'm sorry. I do that sometimes. I am going to be coming out with a OCD uh, e-course. So I am currently in the middle of working on that. I am like knee deep into OCD videos for my parenting e-course. If you have questions or you have areas that you would say, hey, I would love for her to focus on this in her parenting e-course. You can shoot me an email. I would love to hear from you. I'm at anxious toddlers um, at yahoo.com. I had to think about that for a second. So feel free to drop me a line. Or if you want to get on my email list for when the course opens up for the first 48 hours, I'm going to, I normally just do 50% off when I open a course brand new as kind of a, just a thank you to all the people that listen to me. So if you want to get on that email list, you, again, go ahead and email me at anxioustollers at yahoo.com and you can just give me your email address and let me know that you want to get on the list and be notified. And if you have a question as a parent who is raising a child with OCD and you're like, oh, if you can include this in the course, that would be great. I'm open for ideas because I have already started working on it, but I can incorporate anything that I feel would be great and relevant to you. And I normally get three families to take my course for free and kind of do it like a dry run and give me some input. And so if you're interested in that, you can also shoot me an email at anxioustollers at yahoo.com for any of those things. That would be wonderful. So if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love if you could leave me a review. If you're feeling kindhearted, that would be awesome. You can go ahead and leave a review wherever you're at. And I hope that you are having a wonderful week. And until next time, I hope you find the sparkle in every day. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.